Hi, this is Paula Parker and welcome to the Mindful Shape Podcast. So how are you doing right now? Are you getting asked that quite a bit? If you are listening to this as a record it, we're in the first week of April 2020 and things are changing pretty quickly. You know, of all the topics that I thought I would be doing for this podcast, I have to admit that a pandemic really wasn't on my radar at all, but wow, you know, um, we should talk about this because no matter who you are or where you are in the world, you are being affected in some way by the COVID-19 crisis right now. And maybe you're like me and you notice that sometimes you're just a little tapped out on coronavirus, anything related to it, and you need a break. And I totally understand that. I don't usually take in a lot of news because I'm very deliberate about the incoming information for my brain, for my mental health. And most of the news is so negative. But over the past couple of weeks, I've noticed that I've been checking the news uh, more than ever before, like once a day. Um, And it does take its toll, you know? So if that's you, what you can do is just check the CDC website because that's where all the news outlets get their source of information anyway. So you can go straight to the source and then you'll be informed and also you'll be able to avoid the more like fear-inducing stories of the press. So right now, maybe your life looks like, you know, checking in with friends and family pretty often, and you're most likely getting a lot of the same sentiments, right? Disbelief that's starting to normalize, maybe some fear and worry still. Maybe there are people who are in full-blown panic mode right now, and you're hearing conspiracy stories as well. And maybe you're hearing about people who know or who have friends um, who actually have COVID, This is what we're all talking about, right? And how weird it is to go to the grocery store and shopping. And now we're wondering if the store will even have what we came for. I have to admit that I've been really privileged in that sense. Like I've never even thought of that before. And when we get to the store, we're even just trying to avoid other people and all the while acting as if this is all normal. But um, when I talk to my clients, it seems like the biggest thing for them is the discomfort around not knowing how long this is going to last, being in quarantine, and also how it will affect the economy. So you may have lost money in the stock market, or surely you know someone who has these things that are totally out of our control. And at the same time, there's this surgence of solidarity in local communities nationwide, here in Canada, and even globally as we experience firsthand just how interconnected we truly are. So check in with yourself right now. How are you doing? How are you doing really? The answer to that is going to depend entirely on what you've been thinking. Yeah, it's been a lot of change, but for most of the things, um, it's pretty good. You know, we're okay. We have financial assistance or support or we're fortunate enough to still be employed. We have enough to eat and we have a roof over our heads. And let me tell you, I haven't been immune to it by any means. I've been noticing my thinking has carried a lot of worry, fear about the future and scarcity mentality. And then I last week was feeling really under the weather, like really tired. I just had almost no energy for, I would say like over a week. But even though everything is different right now, and there's a lot of uncertainty swirling around out there, 
I am here to reassure you that how you feel about this circumstance, whether it's COVID-19 or anything else in your life, is all in how you think about it. And if you're feeling overwhelm and sadness and stress, that's totally normal given what's going on. But rather than get dragged down, let's take a look inside at that overwhelm, that sadness and that stress. Open it up and take it apart and see what we can also shift. That's what self-coaching is all about. And just keep in mind, if you've been off the rails this past week with your diet, that's pretty understandable. I'm sending you big time compassion and I offer that in this very moment, it's a chance to reset and just get right back on track. Because it's in times like these of uncertainty and stress when it's so easy to turn to food or alcohol for comfort. And here where I am in Victoria, Canada, BC liquor stores went up 40% in March. And in the last couple of weeks, wine sales have increased by almost 150%. Now, I suspect that a lot of that is bulk buying in fear that the stores will close or something, but I wouldn't be surprised if people are having an extra glass of wine or two these days either. And you know, food and alcohol, it is one option, right? But it's not going to serve you in the long run. As I record this, we just don't know how long quarantine will last, maybe until the summer even. So how can we reframe it with our thinking and use it as an opportunity to hone in on our self-care? Because when you're taking care of yourself by implementing your personal winning formula, you're less likely to want to turn to food or alcohol to make you feel better. And what I mean by winning formula is just your personal strategy for self-care. So this is a set of rituals or habits that you can turn to and even amplify, especially actually, when things are getting really tough. And I think everyone's uh, winning formula is unique because we are all individuals with different constitutions, preferences, and we've had different life experiences. So the specifics will vary from one person to another. However, there are known behaviors that are proven to have a psychological and physiological positive impact. So I'm gonna go over those. They include eating well, seems pretty obvious, but you need to be getting the nutrients that you need to have energy and to feel good. Uh, also movement. I'll get into some pretty interesting info on movement and how it affects the brain uh, later in this episode. Next one is connection with others. So whether that's quality time with your loved ones on video chat or over the phone. Sleep. So making this a priority, um, getting at least eight to 10 hours every night if you can. Mindfulness, so meditation, journaling, doing your thought work, that kind of thing. Next is active stress reduction. So this is different from passive activity like watching TV, which can also be relaxing. This is activity that requires activation energy, like having a nice bath or having fun in which you're using your own imagination, like playing a game or creative writing or cooking if you like doing that. And then the last one is managing your influences. So this is one that often uh, is left out out of self-care buckets that are pretty common, but I think managing your influences is really worth mentioning because as I noted earlier about the news, our brains are wired for stimulus. 
And on a subconscious level, we're looking for information and trying to make patterns and trying to make sense of the world around us. We are wired to process and interpret all the information we're exposed to. So we need to be actively managing everything that comes into our brain. A great example is how Oprah says she always asks her driver to turn off the radio. She is very intentional about her environment and the information that's coming in. And I've really noticed this in myself too, that if I'm not getting a steady diet of inspiration and education on personal development, self-growth kind of stuff, my tendency is to go negative, to think more negative in general. So maybe all of this seems pretty basic in terms of self-care. Maybe you're thinking, I already know all of that, but I'm still overeating. So what gives? That brings me to my next topic, which is working from home. So if this is a new experience for you, there's a lot more to deal with than, you know, just figuring out how to get your mic working before your next video meeting. First, of course, there's the fact that you're off your routine. And if you're like me, you're working literally two steps away from your fridge. Whereas before you had a structured routine, commuting and being at the office and taking a lunch break, now you probably have much more room for mind drama around food, what to eat, when to eat, how much to eat, all of that. Because now it's all available to you all of the time. The best practical advice I can give you is to be intentional about creating a home routine, which includes all those good habits that are most likely already part of your personal winning formula. So practically speaking, this means creating mealtimes. So don't get in the habit of snacking all day or just having like a little of this, a little of that. Stick to your three meals a day. Even though you're at home, it doesn't mean you don't have to plan meals or you can skip your meal prep. Now, I'm not suggesting your meals have to be fancy. They can be very simple, but don't let your brain tell you that this is a crazy time where anything goes. No, you still need to have the basics in place so that when it's time to eat, it's simple, there's not a lot of decision making required, and you have some healthy options. And if you've ever thought about trying intermittent fasting, now would be an excellent time. So you might have much more control over your schedule now that you're working from home. For me, my winning formula is having breakfast at around 10, lunch at like 1.30 or 2, and dinner usually around 6. Of course, this varies a little bit day by day, but it's much easier to do now that I'm working from home full time. The next practical tip for not overeating while you're working from home is drink more water. I know this is such old news, but... It's important, so I'll harp on it just a bit more. So drink water, decaf tea, or sparkling water throughout the day so you stay hydrated, you have more energy, you're going to have more concentration and focus on your work, and you're less prone to wanting to have a snack in the first place. The second biggest thing that you can focus on right now is movement. I was actually just getting into a really good routine of working at the Y, and, and then it closed. <laughs> and then I wasn't feeling very well for a week. And so I just couldn't be bothered to do any at-home workouts uh, in my tiny apartment. Well, it's not that tiny. It's a two-bedroom, but still, it's pretty small. So can you relate to this? Are you used to going to the gym and you swore that you do a ton of home workouts um, and you're not doing it? Well, 
like I totally get it. It's easy to brush those off, right? You're tired, you don't feel like it. Listen, this is all with the caveat that if you truly need to rest, then you need to rest like I did last week. But a little goes a long way when it comes to exercise you need for weight loss. So that might be minimal like I did last week, which was like walking and light stretching. But I also decided, which I think is really important to mention, that I didn't make it into a story about how I don't handle change well or whatever, something like that. Instead, I decided that when I was feeling better, I would start up a new workout routine of running when the weather was good and at-home gym workouts. So now that my energy is up, I'm doing the MadFit workouts on YouTube totally free. I'll link it in the show notes for you. I mean, there's a ton of workouts out there, but these ones are great and they're made for small spaces and there's a lot for apartment living. So if you have people below you, there's one specifically made so you're not like jumping around a lot. And unless you're going for being super ripped, then a light run, some stretching or a 20 minute workout is really all you need to keep up your momentum and get the benefits. Now, you may have noticed that I don't harp on exercise so much as a key factor to fat loss because it isn't compared to food. What you put in your body is going to matter so much more because our bodies just aren't that efficient at burning off calories through exercise, which actually makes sense for our survival as a species when you think about it. But now that we're, you know, out of the caves and have all this great tasting food around, it's easy to take in more than our bodies were designed to use up. However, considering that we are all now homebound and we need all the positivity we can get, I thought I would use some time to really make the case for working out because I know it can be pretty tough to feel motivated at the best of times, let alone now having to do it alone in your apartment. I think that after listening to this, you just may feel inspired to shift some furniture around and actually get moving. Okay, so here we go. We thrive when we are active. So no matter your gender, age, or socioeconomic status, data from every country where it's been studied shows that people who are physically active are happier, have better relationships, have more meaning in their lives, they feel less anxiety, and are at lower risk for depression. And if you've watched that Babies docuseries on Netflix, you will have seen that we were born to move. Oh my God, those babies, so cute. And they're always on the move. The chubby arms and legs flailing everywhere. So cute. And even from this age, movement affects both brain and mental health. As adults, it puts us in the state of mind to be at our best version of ourselves. For the runners out there, you'll recognize this as the runner's high that gives you more hope and optimism. Let's talk about what exercise is actually doing for your brain. I got all of this info from a Stanford psychologist who studies the neuroscience of exercise, and I'll link to her website in the show notes too if you want to look into this more. When you work really hard and you have an intense workout, you can get an endorphin rush. And FYI, you can also amplify your endorphin rush just by having an amazing playlist. But that high you feel isn't actually endorphins, it's endocannabinoids. 
So you don't have to train like a maniac to get the positive effects. If you can get yourself to at least do 20 minutes of moderate intensity, one of the changes you'll get is an increase in endocannabinoids in the brain. It's like our worries feel less intense, everything feels possible, things feel all right, and like there's reason to be hopeful. And another cool thing is that endocannabinoids also increase the pleasure we get from social contact. So get this, people who exercise regularly have a brain and nervous system that are more primed for pleasure. So even if you don't feel like you had a really awesome workout and you aren't feeling that, you're not feeling all the good vibes, you're still actually getting the positive effects in social interactions afterwards. So sometimes the positive effect isn't even felt during the exercise, but comes afterward when you reunite with your partner or you're interacting with other people at the gym and suddenly it's just an easier interaction somehow. This is probably why these boutique gym communities or yoga communities become so tight, right? I know my last gym had a core group that felt really bonded, even though the only time we ever really saw each other was at the gym. And we'd only make small talk before and after our workouts, but nonetheless, it was still like a really close-knit community. So the runner's high is not always the rush that you may have thought it was, like being in the moment of peak intensity when you're in the zone because you're working really hard. The actual runner's high is more of this neurochemical change that seems to make us more optimistic and also more open to connecting with others. And this is true for any type of exercise that you do, whether it's yoga or dance or weightlifting. You'll get a version of that because the movement, the exercise that you're doing is probably going to affect your brain and your mental health in slightly different ways. So a good example is weightlifting or yoga. When you're doing either of these, you're doing things that really engage the core. The muscles of your core actually talk to your brain in a way that produces this kind of happiness or euphoria. It actually calms down anxiety. It's a really interesting neurofeedback loop that when you brace your core and when you're engaging in that kind of strong muscular contraction that's stabilizing, your brain reads those signals from your body as essentially I got this, I'm in control. So that's not really like a runner's high, but it can be a really empowering state of mind. And so your literal moment to moment sense of self is always being informed by what your body is doing. Now that you're at home, you may not have access to weights, but there's lots of yoga online and it would also be true for any kind of HIIT workout that you do, like the ones I mentioned earlier because you're gonna be doing squats, push-ups, punching, kicking, all that good stuff. So with any movement that feels empowering, you're getting sensory feedback from your body that says, I'm strong, I can do hard things, I'm powerful. Why does it work like this? Well, your brain is getting feedback from muscle contraction and tension of the tendons on your joints. Every movement form has its own signature proprioceptive feedback, which is simply a sense of self movement and body position. It's like a sixth sense of your own body. One of my favorite forms of exercise is boxing. 
And part of the reason I love it so much, I think, is due to this positive feedback loop. So I feel tough. I feel badass. If you know me in real life, you'll know that I'm pretty chilled out, you know, I'm hardly aggressive or threatening, but when we're active, we get to experience ourselves as a different version of ourselves. So cool. So I'm curious, after listening to this, what will you integrate into your quarantine life that will support your health journey? Whether it's weeks or months, will you look at this as an opportunity to double down on what you want, on creating a personal winning strategy for yourself? We are confined, yes, but creativity actually thrives when there are clear rules because it creates a structure, a container in which to focus. So I urge you to use this time to focus on your self-care in whatever shape that looks like for you. And let me know how it's going. Send me a DM on Instagram. I'm at, at mindful underscore shape. And thank you so much for listening to this podcast. A few of you have reached out to me, letting me know that you're liking it. And that means the world to me. So thank you for that. And 